0: This is sexual confidence on tap with Shannon Etheridge and friends. And this is my friend, Michelle Woods. Michelle, what are we going to talk about today? Hey Shannon. So on today's episode, we'll be
1: talking about hard nipples, mudslides and Reese's peanut butter cups. Yeah, okay, that's I a little odd. I uh, know, it's a crazy combo. Oh, and we also will take a call from Todd about sexual addiction.
0: Well, there we go. I think I know where you're wanting to go with this hard nipples conversation. I know, I, I shouldn't, but I will.
1: <laughs> no. We have to go there. I will right. let you take the mic. You go ahead and tell it.
0: Uh, well, I think that you're alluding to when you reached out to me and said, Hey, Shannon, how can I come alongside your ministry in an even more active way and i think that you were what were you thinking this is
1: it this is it i wanted to be a part of Maybe just come into your workshops, being behind the scene, uh, cooking for the women, maybe be a little shoulder to cry on, and that's it. <laughs> yeah,
0: but earlier that week, I had actually been thinking, you know what, after all these years of doing other people's podcasts, it's time, it is prime time to launch my own, and I thought, who would make a good co-host? <laughs> and you would come to mind... And yes. so, so when I put that idea out there to you, you said, "I said that makes my
1: nipples hard." That's what I said, <laughs> and I said it with enthusiasm, even though it was through a text.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. I, 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 I could read through all the explanations I know, I and know. Sent that cute meme with the boy in the in the Home Depot aisle
1: <laughs> with the plungers right on his chest. Yes. With, yeah, with the handle sticking out really far. I usually take things too far. So my family <laughs>
0: says, so yeah, I know. boy with three foot long wooden nipples <laughs> communicated really clearly that yes. you liked the idea, which I was really glad about. Yes. That
1: was a positive uh, yes. comment for sure.
0: Yeah. I, I think that when our nipples get hard in a situation that is like <laughs> the Holy Spirit's way of saying you need to say yes to that. Uh, yes. <laughs> so I quickly said, yes. To Shannon. And I was delighted. And I have to tell you, girl, I was speaking a couple of weeks ago in New Jersey at this Mm -hmm. women's conference. And before the event started, I walked to this pond and was just laying on a dock and staring up at the clouds and just kind Mm -hmm. of asking God's blessing and direction on this podcast launch. And I was honest and said, okay, God, I feel as if I have been Climbing a mountain during a mudslide because I've been entertaining this thought for so many years, but have just never actually, you know, brought it to fruition until right as of late. And God kind of gave me this cool new image of Shannon, mm-hmm. you are not climbing a mountain during a mudslide, you were on top of the mountain sitting in an inflatable raft full of mud with Michelle (laughs) with me with with cocktail in hand with the little paper umbrella (laughs) and we are just chatting about sex. Can we really do that?
1: I have time <laughs> tomorrow if you're not
0: busy. Please. We will definitely try to do that on the Sexually Confident <laughs> Couple Workshop. Okay. Okay. Fill a big swimming pool with mud with, with and invite mud. couples to just sit in it with their cocktails. Exactly. But it it really reminded me though that you know what, sex isn't work, it's play. And so talking about sex isn't going to be work, it's going to be play. And I just want to start the podcast off with a big thank you for being willing to be my playmate because you were my number one (laughs) choice and I really didn't have a number two.
1: Well, I love you for that. And I want to be your number one. So I, I really am thankful to be
0: sitting here with you talking about one of our favorite things. There you go. Yep. And so that takes care of hard nipples and mudslides. Let's save the <laughs> Reese's peanut butter cup conversation to later. All right. You have Reese's peanut butter cups. I'm not saying you have to save those till later, just the conversation.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for laying down the rules.
0: here, Because <laughs> I know how you roll with those Reese's peanut Yes, cups. you Me do too. know. <laughs> <laughs> so let's answer the question. Who is this podcast for?
1: Yeah. Who, I mean, who is it for? Like, what have, what have you had in mind all these years for
0: a podcast like this? Well, I started out this ministry 27 years ago with the idea that I was going to minister to women who were acting out sexually because that described me as a teenager. And it it wasn't until my late twenties that I really figured out what my deal was and put on my big girl panties and did all the counseling and caught the vision for becoming a counselor or coach myself. Uh Uh-huh. But my ministry has so evolved since that yes. 27 years, <laughs> Uh, So it's not just women that I minister to mm-hmm. anymore. It's couples, and it's also men. And it's not just people acting out. It's people who have shut down. Uh, right. Because what I have observed is that, yeah, there is a percentage of women who have been acting out, and I am very passionate about those women. But I would venture to say that every time we do a workshop, of the eight to ten women who are present, probably two or three are acting out. And the other six or seven or eight are shutting down. Completely it's, shut down. Right. Yeah. There right. has been an evolution in our society the past couple of decades, maybe even three decades, where there has just been so much shame regard, you know, just surrounding sexuality. Sure. And I want to help women bust out of that shame shell, but it's not just women. I have noted also that it is men. There are many women who tell me they're the higher desire partner in their marriage relationship and that a lot of men have been raised in uber religious homes Mm -hmm. that have had a lot of negative connotations around sex. And they have a lot of erectile dysfunction. They have a lot of performance anxiety. Mm -hmm. They have a lot of anger and bitterness and resentment about how their wives don't seem to be sexually available or the wives have bitterness and resentment about how the husband isn't necessarily sexually available. Right. So basically I, I, I want to speak to the people who are high desire. I want to speak to the people who are low desire. I want to speak to the husbands. I want to speak to the wives. I want to speak to couples who want to take their sex life from good to great. Or those who have a total train wreck and just want to figure out how to get on the right track. (laughs) Right. But I also want to talk to singles who want to learn about healthy sexuality from a reliable source. Cause you don't Mm -hmm. always have to go out and strike up an inappropriate entanglement to learn about sex.
1: Right. Right. Uh,
0: And so, uh, Yeah. Those who are recovering from the purity movement, those who are recovering from addiction, men, women, high desire, low desire. There's one more. Oh, let me just explain the whole pendulum swing concept. Yes. Yeah. So I think that there is a relational dynamic in our lives that works like a pendulum. In some seasons of our lives, we find ourselves acting out in ways that we never thought that we would either, uh, looking at porn or involved in a, Mm -hmm. in a, inner office romance or an emotional entanglement with somebody inappropriate in our lives, acting out. Other seasons of our lives, we find ourselves shutting down. We lost that love and feeling. We don't know where to find it. (laughs) Yeah, right. And so my goal is to help people who have either swung too far to the left or swung too far to the right. I want to help them find a healthy middle ground where they're interested in motivated sex partners once again, but only with their spouse, not somebody else. Right, right. So that is the goal, but there's one more population that I'm hoping that we will attract. You want want to take a guess what that is? I know what it is. (laughs) I know exactly what it is. Because you've heard me complain about it, right?
1: Yes. We've talked. We've had conversations. Who is it? What is it?
0: So it breaks my heart to hear people say that they love God, but they hate sex or the opposite that they hate God, but love sex. Sex it seems as if there's been a mass exodus from Christianity mm-hmm. lately because of how much control the church seems to try to put around sexuality. But I do not believe that you have to leave God to love sex or hate God. To no. Love and I think that if you love God, you could trust that he will restore and redeem and heal your sexual right. wounds. And, and just, yeah, they can go hand in hand completely. Absolutely. When you marry sexuality and spirituality together right. in your mind, when it becomes two sides of the same coin, your life just feels so complete and so fulfilled. And there's so much synergy going on between mm-hmm. you your spouse and God. And it is magical. Yeah, it's <laughs> it really like, is. Like this holy heavenly threesome type of a thing. It, yes. It's amazing. And so, and I know that some people are already uptight over the fact that I mentioned the word threesome. You know what? If that's you, this is probably not the podcast for you. <laughs> Whoops. As Michelle and I have frequently joked before, we love Jesus, but we also cuss a little. Not that threesome is a cuss word, but you know.
1: Well, and Shannon has a t shirt to prove it. So,
0: oh, yeah, the t shirt
1: you gave me. Exactly. I love love Jesus, but I cuss a little. There you go. (laughs) It's Shannon's, not mine.
0: (laughs) But you gave it to me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
1: I know. I know.
0: So, basically, I just want to take the boo out of taboo. Right. I want to make it safe for people Mm -hmm. to talk openly and honestly about their questions, about their struggles, about their suggestions. Um, And I want to open up the conversation. That's how we're calling it with Shannon Etheridge and friends. Right. And so
1: how many times in your ministry in the, in the years, do you think you've heard, you know, I've never been able to share this or I've never been able to
0: say this out loud. I'm sure hundreds. Oh yeah, I have no least. in my life that I can talk to. So right. I've never told this to anyone, but dot dot dot, and that's why <laughs> I like dangle on the edge of my seat with yes. my breath going. Oh, we're about to tread on sacred territory. Hey, we know it's about to get good when you hear that. Yeah, I, and I just feel like such a trusted confidant in those moments, yes. and that's why I thought, you know what, I would love to do a podcast where I can give a voice to the people who feel as if they don't have anyone that they can talk to. So we want to give you an opportunity to talk to us and we want you to use any words that you need to use in order to express yourself because Michelle has heard it all. (laughs) I have nothing surprises me anymore. (laughs) Exactly. At all. You know that it's okay for people to not be okay. Right? Yes. I love
1: people that know that it's okay to not be okay. Yeah, we have been people who
0: have not been okay. Absolutely. And we are so grateful for the people who gave us that permission slip to not be okay. Right. So you can use whatever words you wanna use to communicate your question or your comment or your story of inspiration. So if you go to ShannonEtheridge.com and click on the podcast link, you'll see opportunities where you can submit a question, a comment, or a story. And when, when I say story on our second episode, we're going to be sharing a story from one of my clients who wrote an amazing illustration of what she longed for in her marriage relationship. When it comes to emotional connection with her husband, I was like, Oh, can we oh I can't hear that. Wait, I haven't heard that. Have I? Uh Uh-uh, no one has heard that. okay. No one. And so I want to give other people an opportunity to share their visions and fantasies and their dreams. It's perfectly okay to talk about that in this forum. And then we also want to give you a chance to call in or actually rather than call, what we want you to do is use your iPhone to create a voice memo. You can email it to ontap at shannonetheridge.com. That's O-N-T-A-P at S-H-A-N-N-O-N. E-T-H-R-I-D-G-E.com. There's no E in the middle of Etheridge. It's not Etheridge. <laughs> it's just Etheridge. I'm not Melissa Etheridge's cousin. Sister,
1: sister from another mister? No, no,
0: no. Okay. no. It's just... On tap at ShannonEtheridge.com. So we can't wait to hear from you and feel free to ask your identity, change your name, change the city that you come from. If you want us to distort your voice so that we can play your question or comment or suggestion on air, we are happy to do that. We we have the power of technology (laughs) Ryan can totally do that. We have a caller that we'll hear from right after this break. Imagine four days on a beach in paradise with three experts in sexual connection, helping the two of you become one sexually confident couple. Yeah, it is possible. Join Shannon Etheridge and friends at Nyer Resort and Spa in Placencia, Belize for the Sexually Confident Couple Workshop coming up May 24th through 27th or May 27th through 30th, 2020. Register today at ShannonEtheridge.com by clicking on the workshops link. Space is incredibly limited. So don't miss this sexually confident couple workshop. It's truly going to be unbelievable.
1: Hey Shane, why don't we take a call?
2: Oh, uh, yes. This is Todd from Toledo, Ohio, and my question is my wife thinks that I am a sex addict solely because I desire sex frequently. Can you please take a moment and define what makes an actual sex addict?
0: Todd, thank you so much for being the first to dive in deep with us and pitch this really fantastic question. Michelle, you were telling me that you had this conversation with someone just last night. Uh,
1: Yes, (laughs) I did. It's crazy. Um, we had a conversation about her, her previous marriage. And this caused major problems in their marriage because, you know, you've got two, two people with completely different needs. And, um, for him, he literally, she could touch his arm wrong or breathe a certain way around him. And he was ready to roll. You know, it was just constant and men are you know, microwaves, women are crockpots, <laughs> crockpots. Yes. So, but with him, you know, he would, he would get angry, you know, if she wouldn't have sex with him or he would actually be physical with her and not hit her, but just would get more aggressive with her. And so clearly he was feeling rejected, which made him angry. And, you know, so I just think there's a line there whether, you know, if someone's acting like that, where sex is so important, where where you will hurt your spouse emotionally or however physically if you don't get what you want you know that's a problem
0: that is definitely a problem
1: yes yes but in general you know you have two people that don't always have the same desires have the same needs have the same sex drive and so there is there is compromise
0: in that and it is hard to navigate sometimes well, and what I want listeners to understand is that this is not just an issue around sex. I think anytime that we give our mate a bid for attention and it's rebuffed or rejected, mm-hmm. we're going we're gonna to get upset about that. So the fact that he gets angry when his advances are rejected, I don't think that that necessarily makes him an addict. Now, if he blows up or you know, makes her feel unsafe or extremely uncomfortable, you're right. That is a problem but it doesn't make someone a sex addict. In fact, I had a similar conversation. I I actually wasn't part of the conversation, but I overheard uh, someone ask um, a friend of mine. I know her her and her husband both very, very well. And uh, someone asked her about her husband and I'm not even sure how it came up, but she said something along the lines of, I just had no idea when I married him all those years ago that he's a sex addict. Mm. And I just thought, Ouch! It it just sounded such like such a caustic remark. And then I got to thinking about what I knew about their relationship. And they had been very open and honest with me because of what I do. Mm -hmm. And I would never have labeled her husband as a sex addict. And I have wanted to like pull her aside and be like, you know, when you said that about your husband, it sounded really derogatory. Mm -hmm. And um you know, like what's really behind that. But what I, I haven't worked up the courage to do that. Maybe she's listening to the show and realizes <laughs> <laughs> who power. it is. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Cause I mean, I respect that everybody's entitled to their own opinion. And if this is her opinion of her husband, then it is what it is. But I also think that women who automatically categorize their husbands as sex addicts, just because he wants frequent sex that that's a very unfair characterization. I think that you're pathologizing something that is perfectly natural, perfectly normal, doesn't need to be pathologized. Uh, If anything, I think that a man who doesn't want sex with his wife, that there's a a greater pathology because the way that God wired our bodies and our brains is we are sexual beings. We crave sex, maybe not as frequently as we crave food, but Mm -hmm. as sure as we crave (laughs) nutrition, or uh, hydration or sleep, you know, food, sleep, water, and sex. Those are the four things that the brain gravitates toward over and over again for satiation mm-hmm. and for satisfaction. And I don't think that we don't call someone who uh, eats three meals a day, a food addict. We don't call right. someone who drinks, you know, 64 ounces of water every day, a water addict. We right. don't call someone um, who gets eight hours of sleep a night, um, you know, a sleep addict. So why do we call someone who has a normal, healthy sex drive? Why do we call them a sex addict? Right. So I thought that it might be good to bring in my husband, Dr. Charlie Myers on this question, maybe to get the DSM definition of what makes an addict would be helpful for some people to hear. But I see that Charlie is calling in. So now we have our next caller, which happens to be Dr. Charlie Myers, my husband, who is here to answer the question (laughs) for us. Charlie, tell us a little bit about your credentials and your background and why I'm tapping you on the shoulder to answer this question for us.
2: Certainly, Shannon. Um, I'm a licensed professional uh, clinical counselor and I've been in the field for about two decades. Um, I'm also a professor at Eastern Technical University in Counseling, and one of the courses I've taught over the years is addictions, um, including behavioral addictions, which sexual addiction would come under.
0: Okay, and so how do you define an addict in layman's terms? Uh,
2: the The basic three conditions that uh, an addict would have is someone who has no control over the the behavior. Someone who continues the behavior um, despite adverse consequences and someone who is obsessed and preoccupied with that behavior. So all three of those would need to be present.
0: Okay. And so hit the highlights again, It, it basically has to be problematic?
2: Yeah, it has to be problematic, in other words, adverse consequences. There has to be a loss of control. It's something that is done very impulsively um, and it needs to be an obsession or preoccupation in the person's life.
0: Okay. And so what do you say to the wife who calls her husband a sex addict just because he wants sex frequently? He's not, he's not looking at porn. He's not pursuing other women. He's doing his best to wait patiently for his wife to, to make some advances. <laughs> He's waiting patiently for his <laughs> wife to make some advances or to yes. at least reciprocate his advances. Yes. What What is your thought uh, about a woman who has labeled him as a sex addict? How would that impact a man and how would that impact the relationship?
2: Uh, good question. Um, I think, first of all, I think just a label to anybody would put them on the defensive. Um, no one likes to be labeled, uh, especially something that is as strong termed as an addiction. Um, so I imagine that would, would, ag- would cause aggravation and possibly some distancing in the relationship.
0: And so your best recommendation is for her to reframe it how?
2: Well, I would say that it's not an, not an addiction, but it sounds like there's definitely a difference in sexual drive between the two partners. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it sounds like he has a high sex drive and hers is a low sex drive. And I think part, one of the things is having a, a better communications, um, regarding their expectations and how they can both, uh, work to help make, help the other one feel more comfortable in their relationship and in their, in their sex life.
0: Yeah. And I would certainly add to that. I think that women need to realize that when your husbands are clamoring to have sex with you, that is the biggest <laughs> compliment in the mm-hmm. world. Michelle, how do you feel when Brian is all like coming oh, out? I, I
1: can't wait to give him exactly what he needs and wants, you know, that's so flattering and you feel, you want to feel wanted. You want to feel sexy. Um, you want to feel needed. So when your husband is approaching you in that way and asking for that, you know, I, I, mm, I need a moment think about that for a minute <laughs> we like that moment yeah like, how many more minutes till you take a
2: break
1: no but that's extremely flattering you know mm-hmm. and so i think there is just like charlie said just such a difference in sex drives and when they when you have that uh for the one that has the lesser sex drive it does become a negative thing and uh, you can, I, I guess, label your spouse as something you may think they are just because you're different uh, and your needs are different than what theirs are. Mm-hmm.
0: And I want to acknowledge that there may be some listeners who truly are married to sex addicts, They or they themselves are sex addicts. It has become problematic. It is driving a wedge between the two of them he is or she is acting out in ways that are very destructive to the trust in mm-hmm. the relationship. To those individuals, I say, find a support group, find a counselor, reach out to someone who knows how to walk you through the journey because no addict has to stay addicted. But mm-hmm. for those who are listening, and it's really just a matter of, he just wants sex so frequently and I do not Or she just wants sex so frequently because let's be real, Mm -hmm. sometimes the female drive can be much higher than her husband's drive, especially if he's significantly older than her. Here's what I would say to that I want you to keep in mind that when you are offered a meal, if you haven't eaten in three days, you are gonna devour whatever they give to you, and then you're gonna want more Mm -hmm. because you're just so afraid of being starved again. Whereas if you just had a meal two hours ago, and you're not hungry, then you're going to feel like, why are you trying to force this on me? I'm, I told you I'm not hungry. And so Mm -hmm. it's a matter of sometimes the higher drive partner gets hungrier faster than the lower drive partner. There needs to be some sort of compromise because low drive partners deserve an opportunity to let their appetite develop. Like don't, come at your partner so often is it going to be today is it going to be tonight well, you said it was going to be yesterday you told me it's going to be tomorrow and today is tomorrow mm-hmm. but you're know, like that is just going to make them want to shut down and not have an appetite for it at all but if you can be patient and let that hunger develop even just a little bit, but Mm -hmm. for you who are the lower drive, please just honor the fact that if you haven't had sex with them in a while, of course, they're going to want to have sex with you. And that is a compliment. That is not an insult. Another thing that I thought of was just communicating,
1: you know, in a healthy way and, uh, you know, letting each other know what you need or what you don't need. Um, But if you understand, you know, why your partner, uh, your husband, wife, wants more, needs more, or wants less, needs less, you know, then it you, it's easier to accept, you know. And it's not and, about you. It, yeah, exactly, and it's not, um, it's not as hurtful or, you know, you don't take it as personal if you can communicate the reasonings behind that.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm reminded of a story that my personal counselor of 20 years told me, um she explained that she was working with a family who had adopted a little boy and he was around nine or ten years old and the problem that they presented him with was that he kept stealing food from the pantry in the middle of the night and hiding Mm -hmm. it in his room and they were like we don't know why he keeps doing this is he like a kleptomaniac or a hoarder or what because we feed him three meals a day and snacks are ready readily available and as Uh, she explained that this little boy lived with his biological mom for the first six years of his life. And she, his mom was homeless. Therefore he was homeless. And Mm -hmm. oftentimes they didn't have food to eat. And sometimes it was a matter of going into a convenience store and begging people for their change so that they could buy a bag of Cheetos. Like that was the only thing that they had. So he was still living in this poverty mentality in his head of, I don't ever want to be without food. So I'm going to save up. Sometimes I think that that's what spouses who ask for sex and then want sex again and then want sex again, that it's kind of like, Ooh, she's in the mood. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then the spouse feels like, well, if I give you an inch, you're going to want a mile. And then they just want to stop giving them food or sex at all All together. Right. Right, And there, there has to be a balance. There just has to be a balance. And so, um, Charlie, thank you for taking the time to jump in on this call. Yeah. want to add to this conversation.
2: I'm glad I could uh, contribute. And I want to echo what Michelle was talking about is that communication. One of the things that put people on defense is when, that when they're said that they are something like they're an addict, but if you if you approach it from how you're experiencing it, you know if she was to say, "I'm feeling pressured because uh, because of those advances that you're making and, and then then to offer a possible solution, here's what I need. I think would would help with a, with a healthier um, relationship and, and a resolution to the, to this um, problem.
0: Yeah, it is really all about communication. So if you need someone to mediate and help you guys have a healthier dialogue about your different drives, about which of you is the high drive partner, which of you is the low drive partner, how can you develop some sort of pattern, a way of communicating that doesn't put someone on the spot, that doesn't put someone on the defensive. For example, one couple that Charlie and I both worked with recently They uh, decided to use Reese's Peanut Butter Cups as their way of communicating that I'm interested in a little sweet stuff tonight. And so he would just leave a little miniature Reese's on her pillow. And if she (laughs) handed him the empty wrapper, it was her way of saying, I'm hungry too. And if my bed would be full of (laughs) wrappers all day, every day, just wrappers everywhere. There you go. That's awesome. That's a way to communicate. Reese's Ooh. not be a dangerous way to do it. so come up with your own. Yeah. I could take or leave Twizzlers. So maybe Twizzlers is a better idea, <laughs> but yeah, thanks again, Todd for tossing us that question and letting us chew on that. Yeah. I think it's been helpful. And so, yeah.
3: Hey ladies, I'm Celeste from Arkansas, and I attended my first women at the well workshop last year and I was blown away. And now I want to ask you a few bold questions. What would it look like for you to become a sexually confident woman? Someone who loves touching and being touched with no guilt, shame, or inhibition. Are you ready to experience the kind of deep inner healing that could make that possible? Would you like to experience a passion for your husband like you've never had before? Or if you're single, would you like to make peace with your past and attract a truly healthy partner? If these questions pique your interest, then consider attending your own Women at the Well workshop with Shannon Etheridge, an author of 22 books and a relationship coach extraordinaire. Learn more by going to shannonetheridge.com and clicking on the workshops link. Each four-day intensive is limited to 10 women, so act now and reserve your spot today. Well,
0: there you go. The first of many great episodes to come. (laughs) This has been Sexual Confidence on Tap with Shannon Etheridge and Friends. And
1: I'm Michelle Woods. We thank you for tapping on us.
0: This podcast is produced by Ryan Clark at Touch Media. The podcast and website represent the opinions of Shannon Etheridge and Michelle Woods and their guests to the show. Content here is for informational purposes only. You can get more information at ShannonEtheridge.com.
1: How's my hair? Is it fabulous? It's fabulous. fabulous. It's huge. Fabulous. We know fabulous. this.